which is all fine and dandy. And I'm all for, all, I'm all for using leverage in a very ingenuous way, but you have to be careful of those, those moments, those liquidity moments or... Welcome back everyone to the Passive Road to Retirement podcast. Today we are joined by Nikolai Ray, who is the CEO of MREX. Nikolai is a founder and CEO of MREX, as well as a professor in real estate financial engineering. He's regarded as one of North America's leading experts in apartment investing with over $10 billion in analysis, underwriting, and transactions. Nikolai, thanks so much for coming on the show and glad to have you here. Hey, thanks, Andrew, for having me. It's a pleasure. No problem. So, Nikolai, you've got a lot going on right now, uh, multifamily world. What are you most excited about right now? And on the other side, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> That's a great <laughs> question. What I'm most excited about is just the fact that we're we're living through very, very unique times, you know, mm -hmm. both uh, financially and socially. And for someone who's as curious as, as myself, uh, intellectually, and it's just, it's, it's very exciting, you know, and yeah. it's funny because that's, that's the exact same answer to your second question. What am I, what's keeping me up at night is the same, exactly the same thing, right? <laughs> right. Because we're, we're living in such unstable and, and different times, you know, that's definitely, I wouldn't say it keeps me up at night, but that's definitely the, something you have to be very cognizant about because, mm -hmm. you know, my specialty is in financial engineering and real estate. So, and financial engineering is essentially a, an umbrella of, 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 of two things under it. One thing is maximizing returns, essentially yeah. generating what we call alpha. But on the same, on the same token, on, on the other side of the token is, is risk management, mm -hmm. right? And, and thinking and being cognizant of beta, which is more of a, a, a risk, essentially a risk metric. So um, that's, that's kind of the way that I'm looking at the multifamily real estate market. I think there's a lot of money to, to be made, a lot of great projects, a lot of great returns, but Obviously, there's a lot of risk involved in what in, in what we're doing. Probably a lot more. There's probably a lot more risk in multifamily real estate right now than there ever has been, or at least at least has been in the last 20, 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's kind of new because multifamily has always been a very and, and not to say that it still isn't, but multifamily. I mean, obviously, has always been a very uh, stable asset, right? It's a very the interesting thing about multifamily and apartment buildings is that you are generating returns thanks in part to leverage mm -hmm. that are not that far off from the stock market, but with a lot less volatility and hence a lot less risk, right? Sure. Um, right now with cap rates being so compressed, interest rates being so compressed uh, and everyone jumping into multifamily, um, mm -hmm. I think because of what happened to 08 after quantitative easing and, also, uh, the Jobs Act in 2012, the, the risk spectrum is probably higher than it's ever been in multifamily, but mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean it's riskier to invest in multifamily. So that's kind of, that'd be my way of answering that question. And uh, I, I know that's, that's a long-winded answer, but it's probably the best way of looking at it at the moment. No, that's a great answer. Um, now, as far as, as risk uh, with, with, you know, the pandemic and everything going on, what would you suggest for somebody? How can they hedge themselves against, you know, risk, I guess, with multifamily? Do you have any, any uh, tips that somebody could Well, do? I think the best way to, 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 to mitigate risk in multifamily, the two major things that, that, <coughs> that uh, the two major things that really uh, 
are at the core of risk as a multifamily real estate investor. This is something both as an active investor or even as a passive investor that one should be conscious of is uh, liquidity risk on an operational basis, right? So cash flow. Yep. So the biggest risk there is that you're not able to service your expenses and your debts mm -hmm. because either you have too many debts, like you've used too much leverage, yep. or you're having vacancy or occupancy problems, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or, or, you know, those occupancy, the occupancy might be great, but uh, there's too much loss to lease because, you know, people have lost their jobs or whatnot. Right. So you have to be very careful on, you know, because when you buy an apartment building, everyone's doing all, you know, essentially you're using pro forma analysis. You're mm -hmm. underwriting the property, you know, using various uh, averages and, and, and rules of thumb. And a property might be cash flow positive pro forma, but that can go to, that can go to hell pretty quickly, you know, in, in the real world. So you have to make sure that you have enough money in the bank or, you know, somewhere where, if you're having trouble collecting rents, well, you don't end up with essentially a cash flow problem. Mm -hmm. The second major thing to be cognizant about is uh, liquidity events. So what, what are the liquidity events? Essentially refinances mm -hmm. or dispositions, sales, right? Right. So if you're banking on garnishing your bank accounts through refis or through selling properties, what happens if that refi happens when there's an expansion of the interest rates, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a possible thing. I'm not saying that's, right. that's what's going to happen, but you know, at, at the moment right now, as we're taping this, uh, inflation is, is, is omnipresent. And mm -hmm. like we haven't oh, yeah. seen in, you know, probably 20, 20 years. Yeah. Now, theoretically, all, all, all things being equal, if there's rising inflation, Technically, interest rates should rise, right? Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, economics are not as uh, as as bidirectional or, or or bilateral as that. They're, they're, they're right. much more complex than that. But you still have to think about that and 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 keep that in mind. So, you know, what happens if interest rates jump by two hundred basis points, essentially two percent? Mm -hmm. What what does your situation look like now, two years from now, if you had banked on on a refi to buy out your LPs, yep. or to pay back the uh, the the seller financing that you got, or to distinct to to uh, to to pay back the credit line that you used maybe to use a, to to have you know to to build a part of your down payment? Like there are various different creative things that investors are doing. Mm -hmm. Which is all fine and dandy, and I'm all for I'm all for using leverage in a very ingenuous way. But you have to be careful of those those moments, those liquidity moments. Or if you were banking on selling at a five percent cap rate, and now cap rates are at five point fifty percent, what kind of situation does that put you in? Mm -hmm. Those those are the those are the real risks that everyone should be thinking of, and that's why in, in when I teach financial engineering and real estate, what I teach people is to go much further than just what everyone else teaches, which is just basic underwriting upon acquisition or what we call, you know, essentially ex ante underwriting, underwriting before you buy a property, mm -hmm. you should be doing a lot of ex post underwriting, which means you should be underwriting. Once you've bought that property, you should update your underwriting models at least once to twice a year, mm -hmm. ideally every quarter. And that way, that allows you to become much more precise in your underwriting 
And that's what everyone should strive to is precision. Everyone kind of hides behind the conservatism. I think conservatism is a second level of underwriting. It's a branch of being precise. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't understand that because a lot of people haven't put enough time and effort into their education in the multifamily investment world. And the fact of the matter is that most educators in the multifamily world don't have that education anyway. They don't have that knowledge base. True. Uh, And that's kind of what we've done with the Amrex College is trying to fill the gap in the knowledge base in the multifamily world. That's a great point, especially, uh, you know, to, to underwrite once to twice a year after you've closed on the property. I don't know how many syndicators are actually doing that. So that is like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe five, you know, yeah. out, of, out of the billions of syndicators that exist right now. Cause I mean, let's face it. I, everyone in their grandmother is a syndicator now. Right. right. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, there are maybe five, five percent, the real professional, well-structured syndicators who don't even consider themselves syndicators right. are doing that. Right. Yeah. They're not yeah. the buzzword syndicator. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Now with MREX, uh, what kind of courses do you offer to teach people about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, MREX is essentially two distinct companies. So there's MREX and the MREX college. Mm-hmm. Uh, MREX itself is a technology company. Uh, people, if, if anyone wants to know about it, you can go on app.mrex.co. So mm-hmm. app.embrex.co. Essentially, what we're building is kind of a a, a a a centralized hub on an app for multifamily investors to access deals, to access the market, market intelligence, data, uh, track your portfolio, track your own investments, and stuff like that. Uh, a whole news cycle as well, based on multifamily investing. No, At the Embrex College, what we've done is essentially built a, a, a an educational platform that is filling the gap between universities and coaches, mentors, and gurus, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the investment world, in multifamily, if you want to get educated, there's two ways. You go to college, you do a degree in finance or in real estate or whatever, but that's very institutional. That's mm-hmm. very kind of macro. It's not specific to multifamily. It's much more focused on uh, trading professional analysts right? Or appraisers or people like that, bankers. On the other side of the spectrum, you have all these coaches and coaching seminars and organizations. And there's a lot of great ones. Like, you know, my buddies, Jake and Gino, who run a great one. Mm-hmm. Rod Khalif runs a great one. Yep. Uh, there are many others, Brad Sumrock, uh, 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 Michael Blanc. There, there are a whole bunch of great guys out there doing that. But that's that's coaching, right? That's mentorship. That's focus a lot on giving you the basics, the overall uh uh, overall education, but really getting you into action, mm-hmm. getting you to become a practitioner and an active investor, partnering on deals, building your network. So what we're doing is we've kind of positioned ourselves in the middle there where we want to uh, help what all these coaching and mentorship organizations are doing. We don't see ourselves as a competitor to them at all. I think, I think we're complementary to what they're doing. Yeah. And But what we're doing is we're bringing that university kind of approach college approach, really deep knowledge base to try and fill that gap where, you know, as an investor, you, you, if, you, if you want to start buying apartment buildings, whether you're an active investor or a passive investor, you're not going to go back to you to college to do that. Like that right. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you might have actually gone to college and have a degree in real estate, but that hasn't taught you real real estate, right? That's taught you 
<laughs> institutional real estate, professional yeah. real estate. That's not real real estate investing. So that's kind mm -hmm. of what we're doing. Uh, our most popular course is a, it's actually a certificate program. It's called a, the Certificate Multifamily Real Estate Financial Engineering. It's a, uh, it's essentially a three month uh, program uh, split into four sections where we teach everything from uh, the finance of real estate, uh, joint ventures and syndications. Uh, we take, we teach financing from uh -huh. uh, banks and institutions, Fannie Freddie to uh, secondary financing, like seller financing and then corporate financing structures. How do you, how to use, uh, you know, how to use uh, shares and various things to generate different stacks of capital. Mm -hmm. And then essentially we go to risk management and portfolio management at the end. So that's, that's accessible to everyday real estate investors, whether you're active, passive, whether you're a syndicator, whether you're to joint ventures, whether you're just buying your own deals. Mm -hmm. uh, you can, you can, uh, we've been teaching that in Canada for the first, for the last five years, we've had actually about 5,000 people come through our school right now. Really? Wow. And we're just expanding that to the U S right now. I'm, I'm translating everything. It's, you know, because I've worked both in the U.S. and Canada. We have teachers who are both worked in the U.S. and Canada. So, uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of what we're doing right now with, with uh, the Amrex College. I hope, uh, I hope to see a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, your listeners uh, sign up to our school eventually. And, and, uh, Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I would definitely recommend it, especially, I mean, if you're taking down these multifamily assets that are $10, $20 million, you need to have that knowledge. I mean, even if you're taking down an asset that's $500,000, like if you're buying yeah. your your first six unit property or your second six unit property in Orlando or Tallahassee or Pensacola, you know, cause I know you're in Florida and I, I spent half of my year in Florida as well. Um, you know, wherever you're buying that, like let's face it, even if you're buying that alone, you're putting a hundred to $150,000 of your hard earned dollars mm -hmm. into one property. Diversification as Warren Buffett has said, is not important if you know what you're doing. Sure. If you're buying your first multifamily property or even your third or fourth you don't really know what you're doing. Let's face it. Like if we're really honest with each other, mm -hmm. you probably don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. And if you're investing 150 grand down payment into a property, like you should probably be putting five or 10 or two or three or seven into getting educated to make sure that at least you're de-risking what you're doing. Yeah, you don't want to be losing uh, <laughs> that kind of money. Absolutely the not. The best way to lose $100,000 in real estate is to cheap on a on a thousand dollars of of education or yeah. cheaping on a thousand dollars of having the right professionals around you, and the best way to not make or generate a hundred thousand dollars in net worth or or surplus equity is also by cheaping on that that thousand dollars or that five thousand dollars. That's that I I always like to tell people like you know you know you, you don't want to spend a thousand on a on a tax lawyer. You don't want to spend. 2000 and it's not spending it's investing like yeah, you don't want to invest in a lawyer <laughs> or or an accountant exactly. or you know you know in a corporate structure or in your education like mm -hmm. what are you doing that investing a hundred thousand or one hundred fifty thousand dollars into a property or into a syndication like you're 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 doing it all wrong you have to have exactly. you have to switch from a, a consumer mindset to an investor mindset mm -hmm. and that's not spending money on things, that's investing money in things to make sure that your investments generate better returns right? and take on less risk. Yep. Absolutely. I totally agree. And that, that's actually a great, great segment here into my next question uh, for you was you've done a lot of, a lot of real estate deals, uh, obviously. Uh, everyone has had one usually that's gone wrong or something has happened. Uh, 
you could just kind of give us an overview of one that didn't go exactly as you planned and what well, you plenty, learned from that. Plenty. And I, that, that kind of comes back to the question you asked about, like, that's why I like teaching risk management. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you an example. Well, I'll give you a very simple example. We purchased a seven-unit property two years ago. We thought it was going to cost about $425,000 to renovate it. We mm -hmm. paid four twenty for it. So that's a pretty heavy renovation, right? That, oh, yeah. That's a big value add. Yeah. It ended up costing us, you know, six six hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in renovation. So wow. that's that's two hundred thousand over. That's not because we screwed it up. That's just because, you know, if 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 you're doing value add on on older apartment buildings, well, even on not that old apartment buildings, like the minute you open up an apartment building that was built before like the two thousands, they're gonna be surprises, right? They're <laughs> yeah. always gonna be surprises. Yep, exactly. So, uh, so essentially, uh, you have to make sure that, like, we're, we're well capitalized. Like, we have money. We're not we're not newbies. So, like, you right. know, it wasn't the end of the world putting in another another two hundred. But if mm -hmm. if you went into that deal thinking that you didn't have any more money to put in, well, what happens? Where do you get that two hundred from? You, you could be in a really bad position, right? Yeah. Especially if so that's why I'm 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 all for for leverage. And believe me, I love leverage. I'm you know I've been financial engineering. Our job is to is to think of crazy ways to leverage more. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But that could never be without the risk management on the other side of things because leverage is, it, it's a Damocles sword, right? It, it's a two-sided, it's a two-edged sword. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't swing that sword if you're not aware of the dangers that come with it, right? Yeah. Yep. It can cut you just as much as it helps you. Exactly. Absolutely. Now, what do you, uh, on that, what do you feel about these syndicators and, you know, you, whatever uh, people just taking on 80%, 85% leverage now, banks are, you know, up in their LTVs. Do you, uh, do you do that to get more, uh, more returns or are you like to, you go, go well, to lower leverage? I personally don't syndicate. Like I, uh, all my, you know, I, I, we've purchased about 40 properties in the last 18 months, mm -hmm. uh, 40 apartment buildings. Uh, we're essentially, we're just a joint venture structure where it's me and two buddies. Right. Okay. Uh, so that's all our buddy into it. We have, you know, maybe three or four family and friends that have also jumped in, you know, into a deal here or there, but it's essentially our portfolio and our money. So I'm not syndicating. However, I mean, you know, uh, in the past, I worked a lot with a lot of syndicators as, as you know, expert counsel, mm, okay. uh, you know, in, in the way they structure their deals. I think, obviously, coming back to what I said earlier, I think a lot of syndicators right now are doing it wrong. Yeah, I think too many people are syndicating, and it's a uh, it's become kind of a dangerous world because, like I said, every every one of their grandmothers is a syndicator now, so I think that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Leverage is a leverage is a great thing, but it's a dangerous thing, right? So, yep. I, I'm I'm very weary of. Uh, I see a lot of syndications, you know, pr promising, you know, ten percent cash on cash pref, <laughs> and then you know twenty twenty five IRR. <laughs> And then you look at their structure. They're like they're at they're at eighty five percent LTV IO loans, interest only loans for four years. Right. Damn, that's <laughs> wow. That's some scary stuff there. Like if you're an LP, like that's that's scary. And I think that's where a lot of LPs and passive investors are. Just because you're a passive investor or an LP doesn't mean that you shouldn't be as educated as the GPs and active investors. You should be, Absolutely. in fact, in some cases more educated. Mm -hmm. You know, because you're essentially, it has to make up for your passivity, right? As an investor. Right. So I'm not saying don't use leverage, but I'm very weary of the way that people are using it. Like, it seems like it's all upside and there's no like, there's no risk management into it. That's why I'm so, 
fond of teaching real estate financial engineering because I think the risk management is even more important. And I think the more you learn how to manage risk, the mm -hmm. more you can generate alpha and generate really great returns. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. If you know both sides, you know, you know what your loss could be or the upside and you're much better prepared. Right. There's a big problem in real estate. It's called, you know, it's, it's survivorship bias, right? Mm -hmm. No one sees anyone who screws up because they just disappear. That's true. So all we see is that people are succeeding. And we're not seeing, at the minute anyone loses any money, both as a syndicator or as a passive investor, they usually disappear and don't talk about it because they're so ashamed. Yeah. So I think you have to be very careful. And, you know, let's face it, we, we haven't had any headwinds in the multifamily market for quite a while, at least since 09, 010. Mm -hmm. uh, 10, at least since 09 and 2010. And even then, the, the, the headwinds weren't that strong. They only lasted maybe like, you know, six or seven quarters. And yeah. they weren't that heavy, right? So mm -hmm. we really haven't had any headwinds in the multifamily market since probably like the, the mid-90s. Yeah. Yeah, it's been very resilient versus a single family, you know. Right. <laughs> With you housing. Right. Versus single family, commercial real estate, mm -hmm. office spaces, retail, stock yeah, market, office. you know. <laughs> Yeah, are getting crushed right now. But uh, Nikolai, what um, what kind of habits do you have? Uh, people always always ask, you know, what somebody successful like yourself, you know, what kind of habits you have or have developed over the years that you know help with your success. I think uh, continuously being a student is probably the biggest habit. Mm -hmm. Being a student, being very humble, like you know, and I I know sometimes people think that I might be you know a bit cocky and arrogant, but I mean, you know, what, what can I say when you've been a successful entrepreneur for 15 years right. and, and you've done over $10 billion of real estate, you can't not talk about that without people. Some people see that as arrogant or, or cocky. Yeah. When in reality, you know, we were just stating the facts, right? And right. Exactly. I think you have to have a strong self-esteem and so, strong self-esteem is often misplaced as, as arrogance by people who don't have a strong self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But I consider myself very humble and a lot, have a lot of humility because I'm always questioning what I'm doing. And I'm always questioning what I know. Yeah. And I'm always trying to learn more because I know that there's so much still to learn. So that's probably the most important habits of, of being successful is, you know, not falling into arrogance of what you think you know and how good you think you are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, not, not becoming complacent as well. I think that's, that's probably the most important habit to success both in business and real estate. Yeah. I mean, especially with things changing all the time, you know, uh -huh. one structure is changing and it's always something to keep up on, you know, go to conferences. Absolutely. You can always learn something new. And sometimes it's just being open to challenging yourself. And I'm always open to sharing what I know because I want people to kind of challenge it so I can challenge it myself <laughs> and maybe build up even stronger ideas and stronger philosophies and, and better yeah. strategies. Right. You, know, mm -hmm. like you said times change. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, Nikolai, if you could look back uh, to your 18-year-old self, what would you, you know, tell that tell that young young man? Uh, Don't be so damn impatient. <laughs> <laughs> What's the rush? Because <laughs> because a couple of days later you're going to wake up, you're going to be almost 37, and realize, geez, you know, if you were maybe a bit more patient at first, mm -hmm. you know, time goes by fast, and you know, we make all these plans and. It, you know, you read all these personal development development books and, you know, five-year planning is long-term. Five-year planning is tomorrow. Like, yeah, it goes like everyone that. Everyone should be focusing on 25-year planning mm -hmm. and try to remember how 25 years is not that far from now. 
And, you know, recently I'm turning 37 soon. I'm just thinking about like the last 10 years. I'm like, damn, like (laughs) flies by. I thought I was like, I thought I was on top of the world when I was 27. (laughs) I was nothing like compared to where I am now. And I tried to keep that in mind. Like think about where I'll be at 47, like 47. That's I'll be like such an old man, but it's, it's not, it's tomorrow. Right. You know, it's keeping, you know, trying to keep that kind of long-term mindset. Mm-hmm. Without getting complacent and lazy in the short term is right. Uh, you know, there, there's the concept of the clouds and the dirt. I think that that kind of, you know, keeps it in mind where you want to be cognizant of the clouds and the long term game and mm-hmm. think about that. And long term is not five or ten years; it's twenty five, yeah, forty years, right? Right. Especially if you're going to be in real estate for that amount of time. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, not that long. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of mistakes are made by people trying to go too fast. Yeah. 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 And that's, like you said, that's where you make mistakes too. You go yep. too fast, you know, the education, it could be a problem. For sure. Uh, what would your number one takeaway be for our audience uh, to absorb from this show? If you could pick one thing. Never stop learning. Like yeah, the minute that you stop learning, you're dead. Like that, that, that's it. You're dead because either the market's going to surpass you mm-hmm. or because you're just too arrogant and you think that you know it all. Like, so that's, that's just the beginning of the end for you. <laughs> Essentially, that's, that's a great point. Actually, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean that doesn't mean you know you know, and I'm not one to push courses down people's throats, or I don't have to sell anything. Like you know, I'm right. I'm 37. I'm 37 soon. I've been very successful for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. I could chill by the lake here, but I, I live by a, a huge lake. I can just chill here yeah. the rest of my life. I don't need to sell you anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking necessarily about courses or or mentorship or coaching programs. Just right. be learning, be a student, like always. That can just be thinking about what you're doing and questioning yourself and trying to redevelop what you're doing. It can be reading it. It can be searching other people who, who to discuss with and getting them to challenge what you're doing. And just, just being a constant student. Always be curious. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Are you reading anything right now that um, you'd like to share with the audience, you know, that they should read as well? Yeah. I'm ha- I, I go through phases where I'll just read like probably like 10 books a month. Mm-hmm. Then oh, I go really? through wow. phases where I won't read a book for like three months. I just get like tired of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and when I'm in that phase, usually what I'll do is I'll always kind of dip, pick books that I've already read and just kind of go through like a page or two here and there. Yeah, it's a good idea. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm reading right now. Uh, Stop doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Tribe of Mentors. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Tribe of Mentors. Yeah. Hmm. Tim Ferriss. Yeah. It's it's an easy bathroom read. Like every morning you go to the bathroom and <laughs> you can just kind of like read a couple pages for five or 10 minutes. And it's like, oh yeah, I forgot that. I, I stopped doing that. Or yeah, mm-hmm. just kind of get you back in the right mindset. Yeah, that's a great point. So, so I got one more, one more question before and then we'll get into our five to thrive section of the show. Uh, if you could step into my shoes for the interview, what question would you ask yourself that I didn't ask you? Uh, that's a good question. That's a really great question. Ah, uh, boy. Huh. Well, what, one subject that I, I, that I think is interesting is we're, we're in this era now of social media where everyone is, you know, everyone's following Gary Vee and other, other, other you know, gurus. And I, I mean, I love Gary Vee, by the way, mm-hmm. not to bash on him, but I think a lot of people have misunderstood a lot of what, these guys are talking about, these guys and gals are talking about. And, you know, I think too many people are not doing 
what they should be doing and try to do what everyone else is doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone has a podcast. And this is funny because you have a podcast. We're talking right, right now. And I'm, I'm not necessarily pointing fingers at you, but I think a lot of people have podcasts, which is cool. Like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are syndicating. A lot of people have blogs. A lot of people are trying to build their followings. And I'm, I'm, I'm just not convinced that it's the right thing for everyone. Yeah. I see a lot of people doing it and not getting any traction whatsoever. I'm like, yeah, but you know, you should probably be focusing on other things. So I think mm-hmm. always question what you're doing and think about, is this really the best use of my time, my talents and my personality? Hmm. And I don't think a lot of people are, are, are conscious enough about that. That's, that's funny because Gary Vaynerchuk is the first one to talk about generating, you know, massive amounts of content, but right. he also talks about, do you right and mm-hmm. and be conscious of who you are, right? And we're not all Gary Vaynerchuk's, and, and you know, myself included. Like I'm definitely not Gary Vaynerchuk. Like far <laughs> from it. And I see a lot of people trying to be a Gary Vaynerchuk, and I think it's a mistake. And they're going in the wrong direction, and they're they're wasting their time and energy on something that's not, you know, they're putting eighty percent of their time into something that's maybe generating 20%, 10% of, of results. And the golden rule, that's right? That's probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So not really a question, just kind of think of something I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great, uh, yeah, I mean, just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean you need to do it. Exactly, exactly. I think right now, a lot of people, especially in the real estate world, are, are feeling like they have to have a social media following. They yeah. have to have a podcast. They have to write a book. They have to say that they're an expert. You know what? Mm-hmm. Most of them are not experts. You know, it, it, it's, 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 it gets laughable and essentially undermines what you're trying to do. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I see these people claiming they're experts now selling courses. I'm like, dude, seriously, you've been in real estate for four years. You're not a, you're right. not a, you know, a, a, a sorry for the bad language. You're not a fucking expert. You're, you're, right. you're, you're yeah. a beginner. Like yeah. you're a beginner, dude. Like that, that's just it. You and there's you. nothing wrong with that. You know? Right. Teach a course on on what it's like to be a beginner. You know, don't don't teach a course as being an expert. You're not an expert. You know, so I think that's kind of, you know, and I think Gary Vaynerchuk says that a lot. You know, do you stop the fake until you make it is so 1980s and 90s. It doesn't work anymore. No, people see through that shit. You know, don't do that. I actually, I stay off of Facebook as much as I can, honestly, yeah. <laughs> you know, so by the so way, whatever, uh, what, you know, whatever resembles what, how, how, how you are. Like, I, I'm sure I could kill on TikTok, but I hate it. Right. So exactly. going on? You know, I just I find it's a waste account, of time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Sure. I could probably uh, get my message spread to much more people. I see real estate people with a lot less experience killing on TikTok. I just don't feel like doing it. I don't like it. So you know what? Yeah. I won't do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> like you said, be your own person. You know, don't exactly. follow the crowd. Exactly. By the way, your YouTube uh, content is great. So thanks. Speaking Appreciate of social it. media, the Realpreneur uh, yeah. episodes have been... I, I, like, I like YouTube more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when you like something, you, you just do better at it too. That's yeah, that's true. So yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great content in there. The one I like was, uh, are you scared of asking for money? That was a really yeah. good video you had there. <laughs> I've a never lot, seen a, one a, like that. A lot more content coming. Wait until you, wait until you see the next couple couple months of, of, of what I got planned for the YouTube channel on, on Ebrex College. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes too. So somebody can sure. uh, just click the link and go. <clears throat> so now we're, we're into our five to thrive here. So this is a, uh, just uh, like a word association game. Basically, sure. I just rapid fire five. 
five words to you and you just tell me the first word or phrase that comes to your mind. All right. But the only thing is you can't repeat the answer twice. Okay, perfect. All right. <laughs> now, here we go. First one is real estate. Freedom. Mm-hmm. Leverage. Life. Yeah. <laughs> Growth. Uh, oh, I can't repeat. Ah, I was going to say life. That's <laughs> right? Exactly. Growth. Uh, raison d'être. The French saying of, you know, your, your why, essentially. Oh, okay. Yep. I think we're meant to advance in life. And if you're not growing, then you're, you're dying. So. Mm-hmm. And that's been a big point you've been saying is always learn, always grow. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, success. Responsibility. That's a good answer. No one said that before. Yeah. I think, I think, I think if you can be somewhat successful in life and you have, you know, the competencies or the energy or the personality, it's your responsibility to yourself mm-hmm. and to society to be successful. Yeah. I like that answer a lot. That's, that was a good one. Um, MREX. MREX. Uh, the NASDAQ, Robin Hood, and Zillow of real estate investing. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Great. Well, Nikolai, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure having you here. Appreciate and, uh, it, Andrew. That was fun. Thanks yeah, a lot. Same here. So we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Thanks a lot.